0: The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Provoke Media Podcast. My name is Arun Sudarman, and I'm joined today by Elizabeth Badanuka, who is the founder of BME PR Pros, um, also founder of The Blueprinted, founder of The Zek, Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. You've got a lot of of titles, a lot of hats these days.
1: A lot of titles, a lot of hats, lots of grey hairs.
0: (laughs) I can't see them actually.
1: Oh, thank you. Too kind, too kind. (laughs) It's literally a miracle that I've managed to be able to hide them. But yes, they are there. Trust me, they're there.
0: Okay, (laughs) excellent. Well, thank you. Thanks for joining. I know you're really busy, so I'm really glad you could do this. Um, Thank you. It's really good timing because. from what i understand we are coming up to five years since you founded bmepr pros
1: yes 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 um so today's we i guess it's okay to say we're recording on the 20th yeah. tw- what's the 20th 20th, 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 20th today yeah. 20th today so next friday is um the 20th wow. of january that'll be Twitter that'll be five years exactly since i bought the domain name bmepr pros and Um, Bought it from Namecheap, then I did the whole configuration with WordPress, and I published twenty eighth of January, twenty seventeen. Well, okay, yeah. So
0: there's so many things to get into with with um, PR Pros because you know you've you've created, uh, as you've put it, often sometimes you just have to create your own platform. Yes, um, which you did with PR Pros. You've also, of course created the blueprint which is a diversity Mm -hmm. mark for agencies. The ZEC is the first leadership scheme for UK based Black, Asian, mixed race and ethnic minority PR and comms pros. So Mm -hmm. what were you thinking exactly when you launched BME PR pros five years ago?
1: Oh, I mean, it's crazy because I'd started working around this diversity thing in 2015. I'd started thinking about how to the diversity in comms problem in 2015. And so I'd spent a couple of years. Um, I set up a Facebook group in 2016, the first um, BME PR pros kind of Facebook group in 2016. And I'd tried to work with partners. I tried to engage people. And it was really tough. It was a very, you know, different world then to a certain extent. God, it makes it sound like, I don't know, like 1950s. But in a way, things have changed quite dramatically, partly because I guess BLM, as we've discussed in the past. Mm-hmm. And... So by the time I got to 2017 when I launched BMEPR Pros, it was on the back of an argument I had with, with um, someone who was a high-profile industry, you know, diversity champion in this industry. And for obvious reasons, I'm not going to name them. But um, there were some things that this person said that were really alarming to me on the phone. And it made me realize if this is our industry, you know, this is what a diversity champion looks like in our industry, then I think we need to do it alone sometimes. And so when I launched the, the, um, the website, it was quite reactionary to a certain extent, but also I'd had, you know, I can't stress enough how to a certain extent things have changed in the sense that I lost a lot of client work when I started talking about diversity. I, people dropped me on linkedin dropped me on twitter i mean literally i had like 50 twitter followers so when you lose 10 that's like a fifth of your following has gone and you notice right um i no one wanted to hire me i got trolled aggressively um i once wrote an article about poverty porn um comic relief on com- poverty porn and you can read it. it's in pr week and i got called the n-word more than 40 times on twitter so by the time i launched BME PR pros, my thoughts were, well, no one likes me doing this anyway, it, a lot of people seem to hate me for doing this. Um, and to be honest, even to a certain extent, Black Asian, mixed race and ethnic minority, there were people from those backgrounds, some of them who were also very uncomfortable that I was doing with a perception mm-hmm. that, you know, she's making it harder for us, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Why is she doing that this racism stuff? I've never had a problem, so why is she mentioning it? And... Mm-hmm. So when I did it, my thinking was literally like, well, you know what? I believe in this and I feel there's a different way to do it. And, you know, in the old, not the old days, but there was a lot of DNI initiatives that were kind of obsessed with making BMEs look like we're in a Benetton advert. Like, we're so happy and grateful. We, we, we're all so smiling. You know, these horrible stock images where they have brown guy, black girl, everyone's mm-hmm. smiling or doing stuff like that. And i was always like why can't yeah. you be like a director of comms mm-hmm. and also a bollywood fan why can't you be a fintech comms pro but also into beyonce so you know i used to mm-hmm. gifts and everything else no one wanted to work like this woman so my argument was like i'll set up this website and i'll spend an hour in, on it or two hours on it on sundays and that's that was all that was my whole kind of thinking um and just to even to flag you know when i first set up that website again i lost a whole lot of more followers and people were really really quite angry with me um and there was even people from ethnic minority backgrounds again who were really offended that i was talking about diversity and using a gif of beyonce some people found that really offensive like i i used um a gif of tlc and someone was just like it's diversity she's using a gif of tlc she's obviously not taking it seriously i'm like it's it's tlc of course i'm taking it seriously it's left eye yeah. um, Hello. Yeah. So, so 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 um so that it—that was my thinking. That was my thinking. No one, you know, I had gained absolutely nothing but but contempt and, and trolling doing the diversity work. So there was, I had no reason to think anyone would think any different or anything would change particularly.
0: Yeah. So you got trolled, you got abused. Yes. Uh, you lost followers, you lost business. Yep. So tell me again why you did it.
1: Yes, because... <laughs> so, you you know what? It's this is going to sound really ab- abstract or ridiculous, but I felt that I had a point, and mm-hmm. I felt that you know, rightly or wrongly, they, you know, it's interesting talking about this, but it's going to sound abstract. But I think it's it's kind of the argument, uh, uh, you know, around censorship, you know. Um, that, uh, you know, it's not that you have to read this book, but the book deserves to exist. I didn't Mm -hmm. expect anyone to engage with BME PR pros, but I felt there was a different way we could potentially discuss diversity that deserved to exist. That shouldn't Mm -hmm. be based, and just because, you know, overwhelmingly, just because uh, uh, a lot of white people were telling me I was wrong, shouldn't necessarily be down to one person how this is done and mm-hmm. just because you know some black people were saying to me you know you're making me uncomfortable talking about racism mm-hmm. it didn't necessarily mean it should be dictated by them I, I feel that with all these kind of things there's you know I seem to you know there seemed to be a lot of people that wanted to tell me how to do it but a lot of people that weren't doing it and mm-hmm. we'd we'd also got away with some really horrible, I feel, um, mistruths, um, false news about black, Asian, mixed race and ethnic minority people that Mm -hmm. was so common in our industry that I found deeply problematic and, you know, bordering on, yeah, day-to-day, casual, constant racism. So when I started out to a certain extent, it, it still happens. The consistent pipeline problem. Oh, it's a pipeline issue. It's a pipeline issue. And yet I would hear I, you know, would hear horrific stories. I hadn't heard as many since I, b- before I started people Rose, but I really felt that thing about the pipeline issue meant that the whole industry could have, you know, absolve themselves of ever having to question whether or not our diversity problem could potentially be an institutional racism problem. Mm-hmm. And I felt that we could, I could let people carry on doing this, or I could try to Challenges hypothesis and so you know one of the reasons was okay well you you know i would email people you've got a pure white panel for this event we couldn't get a senior pr person you know what i put that event on and i showed the first event happened vme pure Paris event happened in march 2015 daljit um brilliant daljit from diffusion spoke adrian Mars from fan club pr jessica from Wimbart. the brilliant ronke from from aria ariatu all of them spoke So, you know, so what's your excuse? Then people said, well, you know, there's just not the diversity of BME leaders. Well, you know, I found 15 to be mentors. From a spreadsheet of 500, I turned to 15. And part of that was like, you need to do better because if you're gonna turn around and say there's a whole race of people that cannot write, that cannot come up with creative ideas just because they don't have white skin and that's why they're not flourishing in this industry, you need to do better to show me the evidence because I'm finding it, you know? Our industry has 83, 84,000 people that work in PR and communications in the UK, according to one of the industry bodies. And people really thought that if a black person doesn't appear on PR week, they don't exist. Well, you know, we've got Asian people, black people, mixed race, ethnic minorities working in NHS organizations, who are working in housing associations, not everyone has a Twitter account. Not everyone has an opinion wants to write an opinion piece in, you know, PR Week or, or do a podcast or Provoke. Not everyone wants to sit on a panel event, not everyone wants to be a judge. But I really felt the most problematic thing with these points was that people just casually, very comfortable saying that, you know what? Only people with white skin can ever do PR and communications. And people mm-hmm. didn't even find that as racist. And it is, it fucking is. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm sorry for swearing. I hope you put that out. But also, on the flip side of that, was I was starting to hear rumours about the turnover problem. And mm-hmm. again, you know, I found it wild that people were really comfortable to my saying to my face that they had a turnover problem again of people from black, Asian, mixed, or ethnic minority backgrounds, they had a turnover problem, and it and implying that's because we were somehow all lazy, that we couldn't mm. hack it. And no one wanted to ask themselves the question, what's going on in your working culture that this group of people leave? And mm. those are the things that I wanted to challenge. Because, you know, the starting point for so long was so completely, I mean, it was so completely racist. Can you imagine, mm. you know, our industry, we, we, we do a job that you don't need a degree for, you don't need to come for money for, you don't need any of those things to be able to come up with a creative idea, to, you know, to, to, to rise and get to the point where you're on board level and giving strategic counsel. And yet people are just really come to making the assumption that you couldn't do this job without white skin. And, and it's, it's just so deeply racist, it, it offended me. So I guess for me, it was, I can't believe we'd get away with this, you know?
0: Mm. yeah. Um so
1: that's why I did it. That's that's a long story. Short. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, but then I think it's really it's it's really important to actually hear the whole reason and and mm. and, and not just the reason, but the reasoning behind it all. About, yeah. Because, you know, all of those reasons are just still very relevant yeah. you know, today, yeah. I would imagine, right?
1: Um, yeah. But also I, I I'd also add a route. I think that... This is this is very much personally me. Um, everyone has the, everyone has their own isms. but I also found it really like I get embarrassed for people that still talk about the diversity problem but don't do anything about it. Like to yeah. me, there is something about. I would be to me, you know, I've said in the past, it's like it's like admitting you've run a campaign to your client for ten years and you've had no results and. Mm-hmm. There was a part of me that after two years, I, as I said, this conversation was a crunch point where I was just like, am I gonna be like 99.9% of this industry and just say it's a problem and talk about it. And every now and again, write a blog on LinkedIn that everyone loves. And then every now and again, say something in a podcast that everyone loves and you know congratulates me for saying something, but actually not doing anything. And you know what? I thought I'll throw down the gauntlet and what better way to, to be blunt, to show, how little others are doing by doing something yourself you know whenever i do whenever i do training um and i do blueprint training specifically for blueprinted agencies whenever i do it i remind people that you have more money than me you have more awards than me there are more people more of you you have more access to lots of things than i'll ever have you know i never i was never one of those um you know famous pr's quote-unquote so you should, you should do better than me. Technically, you should do better than me. That domain co- name cost me, what, £6.36, and everything with BME PR Pros. I did off my back. You know, I I didn't have... BME PR Pros never existed before I launched it. So every person mm. at the beginning was contacts I made. All those, you know, mentors that first year, finding them on Twitter, finding them on email, all of that, I did that myself. So imagine mm-hmm. what you could do if you actually have resources, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, the you know it's been a lot of work. You, you've created yeah. so so many different things now, It from from the platform to blueprint to the ZEC, and of course the events, the Winter yeah, Series, which has yeah. become so successful and has had you know bigger and bigger names every year, yeah. which has just been um, yeah. amazing to see. How um, how satisfied are you with your progress five years on? Does it surprise you? Or are you where you thought you would oh. be? Do
1: you know what? It's it's really strange to say this, but look, despite my sofa, I'm not living rich. I've said this a lot of times. I live in a studio, a large studio, but a studio nonetheless. Um, and it's me and one full-time member of staff. Um, Lisa does a lot of the stuff, um, day-to-day stuff on the Blueprint. Um, that is the diversity process and everything else. And I do all the stuff on BMEPR pros and I manage the blueprint and I am HR, I am IT, I am, you know, the intern. We have a mail out we're sending out this afternoon, which means that I'm doing a training session after this for three hours. Then I'm, we're shutting the business and so we can stop envelopes for two hours, three hours. Then we are gonna take three trips to the post office because we forgot how heavy these envelopes would be. That's what we do. Um, and the reason I'm saying that is because we, do all the nitty-gritty gritty operational stuff. So when you see a flyer has come out, I have found that headshot, I have to proofread that, that, that bio, I have done all of that nitty-gritty stuff. So we, there's an element where you feel like you're in the eye of the storm. You don't get to see um, mm-hmm. how things are. And I also feel that this is gonna sound really bizarre and, to say this, but you know, you, you're, as a black woman, I think all black women know that the most trolled group on social media is black women and mm-hmm. more so when they talk about race and diversity. So to me this was never going to be something that made me more popular and I braced myself mm-hmm. for a lifetime of more trolling and regardless of how things may have changed over the years or you know perceived popularity or perceived per- success and I always say perceived because you know it depends on how people think, see things from the outside we still aren't driven by popularity, and that's really important. Um, we are driven by, you know, my whole thing when I, and I have a large team of ethnic minorities, black, Asian, mixed race ethnic minorities, who come in as freelancers. And my thing has always been, you know, thinking back to our mums in the eighties as immigrants to this country, where they had no platform, they had no voices, and they were treated horrendously. Um, are, we doing the, are we doing good by our mothers? Do we, are, and that's, how, that's our mantra, do good and be good. Let's make mm-hmm. sure we're good people. And so the, it's really important that we are not affected by the popularity because mm-hmm. I can tell you how the phone went off the hook at BLM, then it goes a bit quiet, then something else will happen. You know, you can see it. I launch things and p- it, people go come and co- get into contact. It goes like this. We can't afford to treat mm-hmm. diversity as, as a popularity thing. So to me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I it, it doesn't matter, it, there's, you know. I know it sounds, again, counterintuitive, but as long as we're able to cover our fundamental basic costs, it doesn't, it will never change whether or not we put on the winter series. That, mm-hmm. it will happen. I don't care whether people come or not. We'll just talk amongst ourselves. And we can't, you know, we really cannot be driven by the whims of um, an industry that is 92% white on what they've decided is in or not. That's just mm-hmm. not gonna be appropriate. So that doesn't, that. That is all wonderful, but it doesn't change the premise of what we do or how we do it. We'll still kind I mean, of do the stuff.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's such an interesting answer. It's um, It really resonates with me because it, I've always seen the way we've built Provoke in, in kind of similar terms. Mm. Um, you, you can't really believe the hype, I think. And the, the work goes on, right, every day. Yes. And there's yes. so much of it that yes. um, it's sort of difficult to to... to not difficult, but it's distracting and, and to, to start getting sucked into. How absolutely. popular are you? And, just all those, you know, all the legacy building aspects of it it uh, become really distracting, I think.
1: And, you know, it's, it's, it's why the Blueprint Diversity Mark, we don't advertise it. We only mm-hmm. advertise When someone has been successful so last year we had a period that was quiet for about six months that's because no agency was successful we never talk Mm -hmm. about the applications we get that aren't successful we only ever hype up when someone has been awarded and the reason Mm -hmm. why is because the best dni work that happens in agencies is when people want it to you know if you want to do something about diversity it's really simple you've just got to want to do it that's all Mm -hmm. it is as soon as someone genuinely wants to do it and has come from a good place and doesn't see this as transactional and you know it's the people that see dni as transactional as a competitive sport we can't feed into that or encourage that as soon as you heavily encourage blueprint apply 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 the next round is coming get your applications in I think it becomes problematic. We'll get I think we'll get more applications but more bad applications. Yeah, right. We are more interested in I don't mind if we don't award anyone for two years, as long as those people are good. And you know, as I said to you, I think I, I can say because we are announcing on Tuesday and I'm conscious we're going out on Tuesday, yay. But yep. you know, our latest blueprinted agencies, Wright Communications. Fantastic. They are a tiny outfit of ten people. Run by Prina Gada, um, she is also the co-founder, and they are absolutely gold standard. They're going to be, uh, they have been, they've been told they've been fully blueprinted, and um, oh, oh. and that's that's what we, that's and so which puts them in on par with Ketchum and Hope and Glory. Tiny outfit of ten people that are really you know punching, um, mm-hmm. but but it is not in our interest to get caught up. in DNI as a popularity thing. I really yes. think the only people that gain no. The people that don't gain fundamentally though are black Asian mixed race and ethnic minorities I mean yeah. I'm not going to go into naming names but it's if anyone follows me on LinkedIn they will see that I'm in a very litigious situation with a few agencies and this is I guess you know the consequence when you get organizations that feel that they have to quickly show their DNI credentials because the perception of supporting B- DNI is more important than actually making a difference for li- working lives of Black, Asian, mixed race, and ethnic minorities. So, yeah, we've got to be very careful.
0: It's, I suppose, it's the the flip side of seeing it purely as a compliance issue, yeah, isn't it? Where it comes down to how it looks rather than how, yeah. how something yeah actually is. But, yeah, but also,
1: also, and I, I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt you again. No,
0: please, please, please do.
1: I find it. I found it. Like the whole BLM summer, you know, was intense. Yeah. But one of the things that I really felt was heartbreaking was some of the stuff I'd hear from D&I consultants. And I remember there's a D&I consultant who, unashamedly, was like, "Oh my God, I'm just reading, um, you know, why I'm never, why I'm no longer talking to white people about race," and started putting these tweets on on, uh, on Twitter. Oh my God, this is really interesting. And bits that like they were penciling, and I was like, "How the hell?" Have you been earning money as a DI consultant for six, seven years, and you're now understanding systemic inequalities? Wow. And then you you look at these D&I consultants who are like, oh, we really need to talk about BLM. The first time they're talking about it, you know, the rebrand of DNI as this thing where it's, you know, the perception that it's just about, I always say, Duval, you know, giving people samosas during Diwali, and then you know, let's get some lanterns out for the Chinese Lantern Festival, and then let's quickly get a brown girl next to a black hole for International Women's Day. There's a whole load of people. That's what D is for. But mm-hmm. you know what? D and I wouldn't exist if there weren't there wasn't gender um, gender pay gaps, there wasn't ethnic pay gaps, there wasn't massive, massive inequalities. Mm-hmm. And to me, when we start hyping up. DNI too much. We encourage the let's give out some Lewis's brigade. Well yeah. actually it's a really serious issue. What we saw in the summer of BLM is how many DNI consultants have been fundamentally failing ethnic minorities in the workplace. Yeah. Um uh, so 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 it's it's a, that whole thing I, I try to stay well clear of.
0: Yeah. I mean the DNI consultant thing, it's it's like a that's like a whole it could be a whole other Mm-hmm. Podcast right, but it, it, I suppose it—you know—the business world is just always it, it has it struggles, and I feel like that's one of the out, the outcomes, isn't it? That y- you end up with these roles, which are essentially kind of tokenistic. Yeah, yeah, um,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, And you know, yep. They, they're not really looking for them to drive change. They're there no. as, as, as part of a
1: no uh, I- uh,
0: compliance culture.
1: And don't get me wrong, there are some amazing DNI consultants um, mm. doing great stuff. But there's also a lot that have been planted into their organisations as merely toothless tigers, you know, with yeah. no remit or change. And also, you know, the thing about BLM that would have been really powerful is, you know, there were so many people, I'm now an ally. I, I now want to do my bit. And whenever I have met these new allies, I've always asked them, well... Why now? You know, you're forty, you're fifty. Mm. Inequality's been happening for a long time, you know. Yeah. I went to my first BLM demonstration in twenty fourteen, you know. Mm-hmm. If you look at the US there was Eric Garner who was just as shocking a, a murder, right? And then if you look in the UK, we've had uh, Stephen Lawrence, which has been yeah. there for years. We know that um institutional racism played is, you know, the crux of the Windrush scandal. And so when, you know, and then when you look into the actual workforces, when you've worked in a place, a large agency where you know that people from Black, Asian, mixed race, ethnic minority backgrounds never know when you've seen things and you've suddenly decided you're an ally, have you looked at yourself in the mirror and asked yourself, why now? Have you addressed all those things in your life that you've allowed to slide? Because Mm -hmm. the powerful work is you have to question that first because yes. if you don't if you don't you're never going to be a committed ally, because mm-hmm. you will always be fair weather if you have never questioned why this body bothered you but not the others um, you know it's i've heard so many horrendous things about some large agencies and i know people who have worked there and seen these things who are now who are now apparently passionate about diversity Mm. who still work in predominantly white places. And I find myself thinking, well, have you not thought what what you did? You know, that black woman you worked with 10 years ago and what they experienced, did you stand up for them? You know, Mm. I'll tell you this as a last thing, the, during the summer of BLM, I I put a Twitter thread out, which I'm not going to go through. I put a Twitter thread out, but even a side of that Twitter, thread, which got about 300 emails as a result of that. But even as a side of that Twitter thread, I had about 20, 25 emails from people I used to work with. And one of them was, for example, an interim chief exec who I worked with about five, six years ago, who wrote me a long email to apologize for how badly she and the organization treated me. That's mm-hmm. an example of some of the emails I'd received. Yeah. And I don't really care. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, good. I'm not here to, to you know, deal with your own guilt. I'm not paid enough um, to have to help you deal with that. But I wonder, with, with those emails from people, from people like that, I wonder how many, have pe- how many think like that, how many do that, because, you know, that, that situation still affected my pay. That situation meant that I had to move into a smaller flat. That situation had real life consequences. And so when people are like, oh, now I'm an ally, um, mm-hmm. what have you stood by? What have you watched go? And what have you been happy to? Because you need to deal with that before you come and join us, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: And I totally, yeah, I can I totally agree. And I, I, those are difficult, very, I think those are very difficult questions uh, for people to, to handle, aren't they? Because it requires, you know, a lot of, yeah, self-reflection. and Yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah. just think, you know, honesty about uh, where you've been and, and the decisions you've made.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. But you're yeah. right. It is. It? And, there, and there are some people that, that do it, you know, I'm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I've, no longer i'm really lucky because of blueprint and you know i change how i do things so i tend not to you know engage with people i don't know um mm. uh i just don't bother anymore i'm i i don't want to engage with anything that's uh it's just you know i think it's there's a point sometimes when this dni stuff is like how much as an ethnic minority should you listen to casual racism in order to be mm. to, to to support someone's dni journey mm. so if I don't want to put myself in those situations your mental health is so important not a lot of people think about the impact this kind of work has on our mental health i have to remind people that this stuff isn't theoretical to me so when i'm talking about racism i am a black person that's experienced it when i'm talking about gender pay gaps i'm a woman that's experienced it um but on the flip side i think i feel very very fortunate because the one wonderful thing about the blueprint uh well specifically the blueprinted agencies is that you know Louis from Harvard, Richard from c Group, Joanne, Nick, you know what, they're doing the work. They are having mm. uncomfortable conversations. They're owning it. And that's why I will stand for them because, you know, mm. I see, you know, not, not everything important happens on LinkedIn. A lot of things yes. don't. And I see how much they've grappled, you know, working out what they have to change, having to, things that they have to rethink, you know, Again, yeah. Nick Nick committing to this journey of leaning into the uncomfortable, it's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to see. It mm. means I can ignore the other nonsense.
0: Yeah. Now, it's one of the questions I wanted to ask you, actually, because, you know, we've talked a lot about the various challenges and, and all the crazy stuff that still goes on, but mm. but what gives you hope?
1: Um, probably increasingly there's a couple of things, I guess. I'm really lucky in that I increasingly... Only just by the way work has gone, um, work, I work. I'm really lucky. I work with a lot of good people. I mean, believe it or not, I work with a lot of good people, and I've set boundaries in place. I don't need to, you know, engage with all the other nonsense. I, you know, that's that's fine. But you know, um, the way the team at Google have supported us has been amazing. Um, mm-hmm. They, none of our partners, you know this. We, we we've partnered together on the Zach. None mm-hmm. of our partners have told us how to do this. Um, you know, something you may not know, but in 2020, I turned down about 25,000 to 30,000 pounds worth of sponsorship for the post winter series. Um, some organizations that just wanted to use us as a plaster, quick, can we give you money and pretend we support DNI? And I'm like, well, no, you don't. It doesn't work like that. Or people that were like, let's give you money and I want three of my people to give keynotes. No, we don't work like that. The way BMEPR Pros works is we're going to design something, and as a partner, you give us a model to do it, or you don't. You get you come on board and support it, or you don't. But you don't dictate how this should be done. And honestly, the way the you know Tim and Catherine and Pollyad and Claire um, and the brilliant Joe Elijah at Google have supported our work authentically, Nishma Rob authentically has been wonderful. Um, Twitter yesterday at Twitter UK, David has been brilliant, spoke to uh, spoke to Brendan yesterday at The Guardian. The Guardian mm-hmm. are one of our two groups of tutors for um, for the ZEC. They're doing a Guardian Day with our class. They're working so hard to create this amazing, amazing day. It's wonderful, you know? That fills me with hope and gives me so much joy. And then, as I said, when you meet, when you go to Harvard and you meet Amira, this amazing a young black woman, full of confidence, her mm-hmm. authentic self. She's the best advert for Harvard. Whatever, everything that they could say, she is the best advert. I have so much affection, adoration for Amira. And likewise, you know, Lejeune, um Dylan, who's a Blurred, um, brilliant young man, really confident. All of these people give me so much joy and hope because you know something is going right in these blueprinted agencies. These are yeah. young people are going to work and are never scared of being themselves, which, you know, I certainly know I've done it where I've worked in places that I'm just terrified of being myself, terrified of reminding people I'm black. Um, so that, mm-hmm. that stuff is, that stuff is wonderful. And you know, I think Manifest have, have been amazing. Julian was one of the first people that reached out when I did the launch mentoring scheme. I mm-hmm. still have a screenshot from Julian and I said, so if you want to get in touch, get in touch. He's like, great. Let's talk. and. I think what I love is the work they produce, the workforce they've got, Julian's approach, um, and also just how much support Julian gives of me, if ever I need Mm. to, hey, can I sound you out? Am I being crazy? Is this crazy? How about this? Brilliant. So all that means that bizarrely, despite working in a sector industry that has a huge amount of racism i have managed to get to a position where increasingly i'm only surrounded by the people that are doing incredible stuff Mm -hmm. and again watching the set candidates come through and and the way they are experiencing this and to find that 30 40 industry professionals are giving their time to do this for free that's been wonderful wonderful all that is just brilliant really you know and 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 yeah I, i i'm very very fortunate i meet a lot of wonderful people talented Black, Asian, mixed-race, and ethnic minorities. And I'll say another thing: like, you know, the Pro's Winter series. Donalya Davis, head of design at Ketchup. I mean, just brilliant. Did a whole thing about her inspirations and, and you know, a creativity masterclass. Just an incredible person who I never would have met if it wasn't for this work. Katie Dash at the CBI. I would never have met if it wasn't for this work. I have just been really fortunate meeting incredible people. And I can't tell you, I a. Mean, the people like yourself admire, and the wonderful Paul Holmes, all the support you give behind the scenes. There are so many things that, as I said, never happen on LinkedIn, never happen on Twitter. There's private conversations where people do their most. I see so much of that, and that's been wonderful.
0: Mm, it's good to hear, and I think I know you don't want to necessarily celebrate after five years, um, but it's good to take stock. I think yes. of of where you are now. Um, all the things you've created, uh, okay. all the hope that you've been able to help give people. I think that's really important too. Um So I wanted to kind of finish this with a couple of questions because whenever um, on on your platforms, there's a lot of questions. Right? You ask people <laughs> a lot of questions.
1: Yes. yes. Are a lot.
0: Yes. There's, you know, yes. on the winter series, you get asked, yes. you what song, what song always brings yes. you on the dance floor? What's your favorite cook yes. food? But... Can I, and all these, so yeah, go on.
1: Can I tell you the method behind the madness? So, when I, yeah. when the, so the reason we did the pros, pros we love, so on BME PR pros, we asked people all these questions, lessons learned, blah, blah, blah. So again, it may not be obvious, but when I first started out, you'd have all these profile interviews in mm-hmm. various publications and, yeah. and trade trade websites. And the ethnic minority only ever appeared when it was about diversity. Yeah, yeah, And right. it was about normalising them. Some, yeah. There are some people who sure. have never been interviewed anywhere except for the BMEPR Pro's website. And I always wanted to be like, I want your mum to be proud that you've done yeah, this. Yeah, well, you can Is be yourself
0: just, in this interview. Yourself. You don't have to yeah. like exactly. try and meet some other standard.
1: Exactly. And I think, yeah. you know, allowing people to, to also show off, asking them, you know, your career highs and all these things that, that maybe they, another platform wouldn't give them a chance to do. So, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. normalise no, no, I, I, I know it. this. Yes. I, know, yeah. I
0: know this for sure because, you know, I worked at... You know, I've worked in the trade media for such a long time, and it yeah. is a very, you know, it's it's not a diverse place at all. and Not at all. Yeah, and and that is something that has really really stuck with me is the way that um, yeah. people from minority backgrounds, you know, they are, you know, the goal is to try and normalise them and turn them into yes into something else. And then of course you get into all the different types of language yeah. that's used to describe them. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway, um, yes.
0: wanted to ask you two questions that I took from, um, from your platform. Uh, so one from the Winter Series and one from Prose We Love. Yes. Um, so first of all, who is your communicator of the year?
1: Oh, that's a really good one. Um, I think Lady, Lady Phil. Lady Phil is the founder of UK Black Pride. And they, I think they have done an incredible job. They are, you know, you can follow them on LinkedIn, but it's incredible because one day, you know, she is, you know, protesting outside the Ghanaian embassy um, about LGBTQ um, plus gay rights in, um, in Ghana. And next minute, she is doing a you know a glamorous photo shoot for British Vogue, and throughout all of this, you know she's whether she's profiled in the garden, she was recently um, made an honorary doctorate or received an honorary doctorate, and regardless of all of this, she has somehow remained her authentic self. She has somehow, the, the, you know, stayed true to this cause. And I just I I think she it's a tough space being a black queer woman, and she I think. It's amazing that, that she's a real force, and she. There, it feels that she's done this wonderful thing, no matter how big, you know, she was on um, link, a LinkedIn advert as well, the LinkedIn Changemakers advert on TV. And what I love is no matter all this other noise, you still feel you're, you're getting the same person you used to follow five years ago on LinkedIn as you get now. And I just think that her work must be hard, you know, she must see a, a lot of horrific stuff, and, she navigates this just with, I think there is just something quite, I think, I think there is quite something quite brilliant about her. Um, okay. I have a lot of respect for Lady Phil.
0: All right, good. And I'm so, I'm impressed you could, you had someone that, had well,
1: you know what, I, I I was kind of asked this about a month ago, so I had to um, reflect on it.
0: <laughs> yes, Sarah, yes. It, it actually isn't, it, it's the kind of question you will get asked, I suppose. Um, yeah, yeah. Second one, what's the best advice you've ever been given?
1: Oh, oh my gosh. There has probably a few, if I can say, probably a few. But I, so um, I'm going to say Dalgit gave me a piece of advice years ago. Dalgit hmm And i and I, from this, Diffusion. From Diffusion PR, who is a non exec director at, um, mm-hmm. for the Blueprint as well. Um, and he's, you know, I love dows to bits, I've known yeah. him for a very long yeah, time. He's one of the first people I met when I started working in PR. Um, and the reason why I say this is one of the best pieces of advice is because I've quoted it often. And, um, and it was about a really tricky client, and I've used it quite a lot in my freelance consultancy life. And it was, you know, people get the, you know, people get the PR they deserve and it was around the idea of like you know give someone advice and it's whether or not they take it and ultimately eventually they, they'll get the pr they deserve and every mm. now and again when i've had a tricky client i've always been like i will give you this advice three times if you still pursue it I, i've done my job but you know the consequences are down to you um yeah. and i think about that a lot um yeah I, uh, nice. that's been really really helpful um and i have to say that that, that you know there's Again there's a few people that are on the Blueprint advisory board they've also given me really good advice about you know boundaries and um you know it's really mm-hmm. weird doing doing this yeah. job and and doing this job and I think that one of the strangest things for me is when you first start, people have a very strange relationship with perceived dNI people especially perceived dNI people of color um mm-hmm. or black people like myself this whole idea that you should be accessible to people, you know, that someone wants oh, to... Oh, yeah, like to you're me. just
0: there for them. Yeah,
1: I'm just there for you. I am just there yeah. for you. I, you know, there are people, hi, Lisbeth, we need to talk to you. Can you come in at this time? Sometimes yeah. people, it never occurred to people that I had a life or I had clients I had to work with. Mm. And that is really challenging. Or my personal new per- hate, everything really, is um, people who've been in PR for years and they've just woken up and they've just decided they want purpose. And they coined mm-hmm. because they decided, you'll help, I'll help you with your work and it'll give me purpose. It'll, you know, fill some kind of void in my life. I'll yeah. now help the blacks, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, do you know, what I mean? can you imagine? And, yeah. and, some pe- and some people email it to me, like, I should be grateful, like, hi, yeah, yeah. I You know, I got this thing, hi, but I've decided to go part-time as chief executive. Yeah. Now with time on my hands, I think I want to do something with NeNe. So I thought yeah. I could help some ethnic minorities. Can you imagine writing this to me?
0: I'd mm-hmm. really surprised. Come down on Mount it... Olympus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, my, oh, my favourite is, you know, there's that famous recruitment problem at the moment. And it always makes me laugh when people appear in my inbox wanting to help them recruit someone. And I, I, said, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said to Richard Fogg and people at the c group, I was like, you know, the industry is desperate when they're calling me to get a black person in. I was like, literally, we are so desperate for recruitment. Get in some blacks who find exhausted any white person we can hire. Anyway, the point is, I was quite stressed in this whole concept of, you know, all these people that, that call you, I don't know, mean, you, you probably have this problem as well, but you probably have it worse than me. Can we go for coffee? Can we go for lunch? Can we go for coffee? And I'm like, yeah, okay, but if I go for coffee, I'm closing down my business, you know. Mm. And someone said to me, um, after a particularly toxic encounter with some horrible people, it was actually Joanne Robinson who said to me, Robertson, who said to me, you know, Elizabeth, you never have to talk to anyone you don't want to talk to. Mm. You never have to do that. It, you, it, you never have to do something you don't want to do and it's the the thing that's really difficult is what i think what's you know that was good advice and trust me it's it's been changing you know life changing for me because up until that point oh it's a whole other podcast but how many Mm -hmm. people have spread lies about me or hate me because I couldn't make their coffee, hate me because I couldn't make their lunch, hate me because I couldn't drop everything. That's that's quite hard. You know, as a black person, your room to maneuver is so small that if you don't mm-hmm. drop everything for this top 20 agency, you're immediately an aggressor, you're a bad yeah. person. And so sometimes there was this thing of trying to look, I'm not a bad person, I can do this time. And now, quite frankly, I don't give a sh- I don't give a toss if you think I am. There you go, I, held- I pulled back very quickly. I don't give a toss, but it's, 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 it is. I think that has been really good advice, you know, because this stuff is toxic, you know. And, you know, somewhat it's, again, going back to a couple of my Twitter threads that I've written in the past or my LinkedIn posts, mm. there's a whole load of ignorant people that will always be quick, 90% will always be quick to say to you, oh, to dismiss you as an angry black woman.
0: Yeah.
1: And very few people have ever turned around and asked me, you know when you wrote that Twitter thread, what happened between you and that well-known person behind the scenes for two years that led to you having to do that? Yeah. No one ever wonders what makes you angry. What has happened to make you be like this?
0: What, what has happened? You? What, how, how did you get to this yeah, point? It's always, exactly. Elizabeth, why are you so mad?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. It's always got to that point. Yeah. And so... I don't engage with any toxic people anymore, and that—that's so those, those were those were you know some really good advice. I don't have to talk to anyone I don't want to. Um, just because mm. I work in DNR, it doesn't mean that, you know. I said to someone, "Your need to learn about DNI doesn't go above my need to protect my mental space." Um, and increasingly, I have something that happened last year is I'm 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 stop stopping being the bigger person. Um, mm-hmm. I don't need to do that anymore. There's a whole lot of people get, and things I don't need to engage with because mm-hmm. why should I, you know? So, yeah, some of the yeah. advice. Yeah.
0: Good advice, both of them. Thanks for that. I think I need thank to you. take that advice a little bit as well. <laughs> yes, um, I think we all do, I imagine. Uh, Elizabeth, I think you've got training starting shortly, so I don't want mm. to keep you any longer. Just wanted to thank you for your time, um, of course, wanted to thank you for your hard work as well. Uh, oh. I think the industry is it's lucky to have you. Um, I think the work you do is really important. We are really happy to be partnering with you as well. Thank you. and good luck, and all the best with the next thank five you. years.
1: Thank you, and I and honestly, I I would just like to say as a, as a close that you know my my, my, my dad was his you know praising public, criticizing private. And I'm conscious. I I rarely ever do this because I get I get because I always like. Why did you swear? Why did you say this? Why did you say that? <laughs> yeah. But but um but you know I I have to say you know it's been five years and I'm I just want to say a massive shout out to specifically. Uh, you know Dalger to Anushka my mm-hmm. brilliant nets who have just been wonderful um Sasha and Nairi and Henry and Olivia the blueprint judges who've been absolutely incredible um and then also just the you know the first round of BMEPR Pros, mentors who you know, never got on board because they wanted to be in any industry trade publication. They never got on board because they saw it as being positive. All those people. And then finally, I think it's just a massive thank you to people like yourself, um, Provoke Media for all the support and being great partners, CIPR, uh, Google UK, um, and people again, like Guardian, who've all just come behind and supported our work and all all the incredible people that are teaching, doing classes, training days, mentoring for the ZEC, and doing my career talks. It's a massive, massive effort, but the impact they're having on the cohort, and I just hope the ZEC runs and runs for years and years, and we end up at one point with a group photo of uh, of 50 former alumni, and knowing that so many of them are sitting in the table, but that's because yeah. so many amazing industry people have given their time and their advice and their support for free, and I can't thank them enough. Thank you to... Uh, yeah all the good people have been part of the journey you know who you are and um my enemies keep sleeping with one eye open i'm joking <laughs>
0: <laughs> well it's quite a coalition just the names there right you know it's yeah. it's, 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 an, it's it's an amazing coalition that is yeah. kind of you've helped to build and has come together and i think yeah. slowly slowly but surely it, it changes the whole industry and absolutely. I mean, that's how it happens um, right
1: absolutely bit by bit bit by
0: bit yeah. so definitely thank you so much <laughs> You've been listening to the Provoke podcast brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.